Well, we, we had an order of service, and I tweaked it just a tad because I could tell that I had not talked well with the worship team to put things in the right sequence. So I think we're ready to go now. And I just want to set the scene for you by putting before you this Bible phrase, the body of Christ. You know that you are the church, right? You have been called to be the people of God. And it's so amazing to watch how God puts us together in the body of Christ. If you want to turn to 1 Corinthians 12, if you want to take a note and look at this, this is a passage where the Corinthian church was, I think you could say they were a pretty experiential church. They, they experienced all kinds of things, and Paul had to write to, actually to correct them on some things that they were not doing the right way. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he begins to paint an incredible picture of this body of Christ. He says, just as a body is one and has many members, and all the members are, are members of the body, though they are many, they're one body. So it is with Christ. So, look, hold your hands up like this, okay? Wiggle your fingers, okay? Now, wiggle your toes. I can't see you wiggling your toes. All right. That's all part of the same body, right? And you need all those parts. He goes on to say, some might say, well, you know, uh, the hand doesn't need the foot, and, and the mouth doesn't need the eye. Come on. Every part needs every part. And you have been put in the body of Christ by one spirit. We were all baptized into one body, and we were all to made, made to drink from one spirit. So just like the body does not consist of one member but many, that is your physical body, the same way it is with the body of Christ. It does not consist of one member but many. Now, you may think the word <clears throat> church membership is not really a good Bible term. I, I get the point that you make, but you are a member in the body of Christ. You have a part uniquely designed in the body of Christ. And that's why it's so much fun for me week after week to come and look and say, you know, you guys are so different. I promise you, if we had just gone through life and tried to pick out who was going to hang out with each other, you probably wouldn't have picked to hang out with each other. But because you were put together in the body of Christ as fellow believers from all kinds of backgrounds, all of a sudden, you like being together. And you, you go beyond that and call each other family. It's that way as God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. That's a very important phrase. God chose. He chose how to put us together in the body of Christ. Now you are one body, the body of Christ, individually members of it. Part of what we're going to talk about today <clears throat> is how God has worked through skills and gifts in the body of Christ to bring us to this point. And I remind you in Peter, we read this. Each has received a special gift, and we're to use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. We are the body of Christ. As we have walked together at Shalford, Johnny pointed out to you that we've been here about five years. I look around, and I think I've got one two, three, maybe who were here prior to that. I think maybe you guys may have been here right before we got here. So we'll add to that four or five. And 
And I think almost everyone else, if I'm, if I'm looking right, well, Bob, I guess you guys were, y'all are already here, weren't you? All right, so excuse me if you're not putting the number right. All right, six, seven, okay? But if you think all the rest of you, we have watched as God has put us together in these, these past five years. But a little over 18 months ago, it was actually December of 2019 when people didn't know what was coming. <laughs> all right? <clears throat> it was in the December time that I went over to First Baptist Church of Woodstock, met with the pastor, the executive pastor, and what was then considered to be the official board of Woodstock Church, Shallowford Falls. And it was not an unexpected meeting, but it was a meeting where we all looked at each other on the same page and said, it's time for Shallowford to become a independent, autonomous congregation, no longer a campus. So in January, when we, we met and we talked about how to move forward with that, we came up with a plan and we brought that plan to you. You may not realize it, but since you became a campus of Woodstock, all those years prior, you had never voted on anything. <laughs> you were never asked as a congregation to approve a direction or affirm a direction at all. But in January of 2020, still us not knowing what was coming next with uh, COVID, we asked you to consider putting together a transition team. We gave you a few weeks to consider it, and we came back in February, and I could look up the date, but it's not important. We came back in February, and we approved a transition team in the spirit of what we've seen in Titus chapter 1. We approved a transition team that might put what remained in order. That might, it's like setting a bone or uh, correcting teeth with braces. That's the, the medical term behind this. To put it in the right order, in the right pattern. And so the transition team was established. Now, let, let me tell you about the assignment that was given to the transition team. Basically, it all happened with one piece of paper that we gave to you. And I could ask how many of you were here 18 months ago, but I know that it might be like 50-50 or a little more in this, in this group today. But the assignment that was given basically accomplished two things. First, <clears throat> it recognized when we became autonomous, I would be the lead pastor. We would no longer we wouldn't be a campus anymore, so the campus pastor would become the lead pastor. But in that, you assign a transition team to do these things. Now, what's about to happen here today, the transition team is going to make a report to you. And then for the next 30 days before we uh, affirm that report, they're going to be available to talk with you about that report. And after 30 days, when we come back together on November 7th and, and as a congregation deal with that report, the transition team will no longer exist. And all of their wives said, amen, you know, because, I mean, because of how much work is taken. But there's more to it. That'll come in a second, all right? But, but it has been a most incredible process doing these things. That may not look like much, but this is the charter. Often we, we would be in a meeting, we would say, 
the only authority we have to do this is because the congregation asked us to carry out these things. And here are these things to take the necessary steps to become autonomous. A little while, I'm going to give you a piece of paper that has a step-by-step process. <laughs> After my wife looked at the history that I was going to hand out, she said, you need a glossary of terms. So it's going to have a glossary of terms, and then it's going to give you a history that you can look at and see step-by-step what happened over these last 18 months. But the steps to become autonomous really was basically the, the official board of Woodstock Church, Chalford Falls, Inc., which resided over at Woodstock. They accepted our transition team to become the board, and they resigned. That's the legal step that took place. So since last, whatever that was, March, uh, they, the transition team became the board, legal board of record so that we could proceed in becoming autonomous. And they took action that they would no longer be a campus, but we would become an autonomous congregation. So for those of you that have legal minds, um, we're going to show you uh, the historical steps and how that took place. That they were to do due diligence so that the, everything that was done could be done in a thorough and a God-honoring way. That was very important to us, that it would be done thoroughly, that there would be absolute diligence to do it right, and that it would honor God update all legal documents, and to clarify how the church would be organized and function. That is, through a constitution and bylaws. So today, I know better than give you things to read while somebody's up here talking, because you'll read it while we're talking. As you are dismissed today, you will get something that I know you're going to all run home and not watch football games, because you just this is such exciting reading. You're going to all go home and read the detail of the new Constitution and bylaws that's being proposed. And that was a joke, and a few of you got it, all right? But, uh, but you can take this Constitution bylaws home, read it over, and you'll see what has taken place as this group has moved, moved through the steps to get things organized. Now, who is the transition team? Who are these people? Well, we presented to you. I, we had already discussed it. With, it was a back and forth. We had to get permission from the board at Woodstock to meet because otherwise it would have been a coup, all right? So we had to get their blessing on record that we could come and meet and talk about this to give them the names of the transition team so they could come back and leave. It was that kind of dance, back and forth. But this was the group that we gave. Three laymen, Emery, Justin, and Lynn, and three of the pastoral staff, Johnny and Matthew and me. So that is the transition team. Now, today, these folks are going to come and tell you a little about how God has worked and what they've done. So uh, I'm just going to go ahead and put their name up here. I think this is the order and sequence in which they'll be coming. So Emory, I think you just won the draw, <clears throat> and you got to come up first. So Emory, you come and, and talk about some of the things you saw as we worked together and some of the steps that you personally wound up having to take for us as a team. Sure. So um, for, for those of you who, who may or may not know, as, as part of going through and Is it on? Are, can, can you hear me? me a lot better? There we go. All right, good. All right. So um, the, uh, the board asked me if I would serve as the treasurer and CFO of the corporation uh, through this transition period. And so primarily I've, I've been working with the team to try to put financial matters in order. Um, a couple of key things that we were able to establish throughout the transition 
Um, when we first took our step away from Woodstock, we were carrying a balance of about $24,000 on our books that Woodstock had invested uh, when they took and made us a campus. Uh, we were able to work through their leadership and get that cleared from our books so we didn't have to repay them anything. Uh, so that was a, a huge celebration and success for us. Um, we also took a look at the uh, accounting practices that we had. We took a look at the firm that we were using. Uh, we've changed to a new accounting firm. We've been working with them over the last uh, year, basically, to establish a, a better sequence and series of reports and uh, budgetary processes. Um, we've been through an entire budget cycle. So I've, I've had the pleasure twice of, of presenting a budget to this congregation, and, uh, and we had, you know, like Al said, no one knew what was coming. So we had a whole year of, you know, an approved budget, but strict diligence that we needed to follow as a transition team to make sure that we didn't go beyond our means. And I, I talked to you a couple weeks ago uh, as we approved the budget for this fiscal year about the amazing generosity and the amazing things we've been able to do uh, in, in uncertain times. Um, so yeah, two, two budget cycles, a new accounting firm, uh, and really what we've done is, is we've established a framework for good fiscal policy. Um, in 2 Corinthians in chapter 8, you know, Paul is, is writing to the church in Corinth, uh, talking about the generosity of the Macedonians and, and encouraging the Corinthians to do the same, to provide for the relief of the saints. And there's, you know, several verses where Paul talks about Titus and a handful of other men that he's asked to be in charge of transporting the gifts that these churches are giving. Uh, and their, their charge was that they wanted to do things in a God-honoring way, things that would be seen honorable by God, but also in the eyes of men. And as we've worked together as a transition team, that's, that's been the spirit that we've, we've tried to achieve, is that whatever we would do, it would be you know transparent to God, obviously, but it would be very transparent to the congregation that no one would have any concerns and that, you know, in a multitude of counselors, we'd find wisdom and, uh, and be able to provide something to you guys that would be uh, trusted and completely above board. So it's been an absolute pleasure and at some, sometimes uh, an adventure, but I think we've done some really great things and we've got more to come. So in, in the spirit of them making a report to you and in the spirit of you affirming that you're grateful for what they've done. Uh, would you like to thank Emory personally for the effort he's invested? Okay. I would. Justin, why don't you come now and hand off the mic? Uh, so Justin, you, sir. you you brought to uh, the table uh, the mindset of a, of a small business owner <laughs> that that looked at how things ought to be interacting and to make sure that these guys who were part of other larger corporations, you said, hey, look, I'm thinking like a small business here. How does this thing work? How does this come together? And uh, you contributed so much to the conversation because of that background. But why don't you specifically address what we ask you to report on this morning, all right? Absolutely. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, I have the pleasure uh, to update you guys on the deed to this property. So I think it was right about two years ago, maybe just a little bit less than two years ago, that I was out here in the hallway after a service and I was talking with Al and kind of pulled me aside and he said, hey, we really got to get this uh, 
got to get this deed thing figured out. And at this point, I had no idea what he was talking about. You know, I've been <laughs> sitting in the rows for a while, and he brought up a Noonday Baptist Association, and I said, okay, you know. So then we go home that afternoon, and I'm sitting there thinking about it, and I'm like, if I just heard Al correctly, he told me that we don't actually have the deed to this property in our name. And it was an uh-oh moment, <laughs> right? So this was uh, just under two years ago. So we began the process of figuring out what do we need to do to get things in order here? And to say that it was a arduous and lengthy process would be probably an understatement. Uh, and there were times where we were in here beating our heads against the wall about the frustration for lack of records and some of the ambiguity that we experienced. However, uh, I'm, I'm not gonna go through in-depth history, as Al referenced, he's got a document for everyone to take home that will give you a, a clear snapshot of, of some of the historical milestones uh, of this church body. But it's worth mentioning that the history of this church goes back to the 80s. And First, uh, First Baptist Noonday, and, or Noonan, excuse me, and Noonday Baptist Association purchased this property and planted this church here. Uh, therefore, Noonday Baptist Association's name was on the deed to this property. Now, over the years, uh, the, the name of the church, the lead pastors, the uh, members of the congregation have changed. But Noonday Baptist Association's name was on the deed. So fast forward to 2013 when this church body becomes a satellite of First Baptist Woodstock uh, is still through that transaction in Noonday's Baptist, uh, Noonday Baptist Association's name. So 2020, as Al just mentioned, we start to make the move to be autonomous. Well, that's one problem there. <laughs> it's the deed is still in Noonday Baptist Association's name. So we set out on a process of trying to ascertain how much money had been paid to Noonday Baptist Association. Do they have the legal right to the property? Do we have the legal right? And it was a lot of muddy water there. And it took us a long time to get things set in order. Um, but it is my distinct pleasure to report to you guys today that the property, the deed to this property, is in Shalford's name, yeah. our legal entity name. So we own the property as a congregation, as a church, outright. And as Emory just alluded to fiscal policy and really, let's call it financial security, that is a really, really big deal. And so uh, as we went through that process together, I think it was great for our unity and for our teamwork. We took uh, turns being upset. We certainly yeah, did. Yeah. <laughs> We certainly did. Uh, I'm glad that cooler heads prevailed in some moments. Okay. Uh, yeah. As Al alluded to, the small business versus big business, it's good that there was a plurality of, of leadership, let's say. Let's say that. Um, anyway, so, uh, you know, when we went through the process, I think one thing that we really realized is just how much of a uh, spiritual let's call it uh, burden, this deed and this process 
had been to this congregation. You know, there's been a lot of churches who have um, struggled here to stay alive, right? A lot of congregations who have, who have um, disbanded, if you will. And as we look back at that whole story, we really feel that this was a, a stronghold that was, that was holding back this church body, is not having the deed uh, and, and that financial security. And so, you know, we're, we're thrilled today to report um, that we've, we've been given the deed and um, we look forward to what God is gonna do in this community. So, I, if I can, in the balance of my time, I just wanna lead us in prayer. Uh, just a, a prayer of thanksgiving um, but thanking God for what he's provided for this congregation, um, but also just thanking God for uh, the investment of uh, members here in the last, what, 30 plus years, right, who have uh, tithed to this church body, that have um, been faithful stewards of the money that God has given them and have led us to this point. So if you would, bow your heads with me in prayer. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for leading us to this point. We thank you for um, the work that you're doing at Shalliford. We thank you for the freedom uh, that comes with a, a clear and um, unencumbered deed. We thank you for those who have met here for many, many years and who have faithfully given to your church. And Lord, as we look forward um, to years ahead, we just pray that you would continue to bless this congregation, that we would continue to honor you with our tithes and the way that we steward the assets of your church. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Let's hand it off to Lynn. But by the way, in the same spirit of which you thanked, uh, Emory, would you, would you also thank Justin for So, Lynn, fortunately, you brought your computer to every meeting, and, uh, and you sat there and diligently took notes of everything we did every time we met, and you even made us, before we started the next meeting, approve the minutes from the last meeting. And uh, you very diligently have worked to keep us organized and to keep things moving the right direction. So, why don't you uh, take the effort to explain what you've been assigned as a part of that former uh, charter that we had up there of uh, these last couple of points of how that worked. Well, th well, thank you, Al. Good morning, everyone. And I'd like to talk to you today about the things that we've done with these very boring topics of the structure and governance of the church. And, uh, and we've been referring through our Titus series to Titus 1.5 to put in order what was unfinished. I also like 1 Corinthians 14.40, everything must be done in a fitting and orderly way. And so one of the things that we did immediately with the transition board was establish meeting minutes. Now that sounds very mundane, uh, but there were no records of decisions that had been made previously within the church. And so it was very difficult for us to understand parts of the history. We had to interview people and, and set up meetings and, and essentially transcribe that information so that, that, that we could make sense 
of the, the environment that we were in. Next, we established the transition team's authority to lead the corporation. So uh, if you're not familiar with uh, uh, state corporate law, uh, every organization that exists in the state of Georgia has to register with the state, including nonprofits. And corporate registration enables us to co comply with state and federal regulations that allow us to be treated as a nonprofit organization for tax purposes. And, uh, and so we selected three individuals on the transition team to serve as officers of the corporation so that we could comply with the state state regulations and uh, and so because I was the note taker I wound up being the sec the corporate secretary so <laughs> part of my responsibility has been file stuff with the state of Georgia to say you know yes we still exist as a corporation and and here are the officers and where we do business and we didn't know it at the time but the the filing with the corporate the corporate uh, forms with Georgia, the state of Georgia, was critically important in establishing ownership over the property. Because when we finally worked through, and, and you may be wondering, like, why was there all this confusion over, over who owned 3662 Shalford Road in Marietta, Georgia? Well, um, may, there were a number of churches that were involved in, in establishing uh, Shalford, and in addition to um, Noonday and First Baptist Noonan, uh, you had Johnson Ferry Church, we had Piedmont Church, there were local churches that got merged in the Shalford, and so there was a large amount of confusion, and even the Georgia Baptist Association was involved in supporting the church. So on one hand, there was confusion, on the other hand, there's this collaboration across entities, you know, churches in the area that were trying to support a community here. And, and, and we need to be grateful for the commitment of those organizations. However, because lots of church business is done um, through personal relationships, a lot of this stuff was undocumented. And, um, and so this is where things like bylaws become important because everything is great when people know each other and they have long-term relationships and they're trying to help each other out. But when a conflict or dispute arises, you need a set of rules to figure out how you're going to manage that. And in, in, in addition, within the church, you need to know how responsibility, accountability, and authority are distributed across the congregation, the staff, and the, the leaders of the church. And, um, and the, this, this is called governance, and governance is there to protect the church. And, and so we spent 18 months, in fact, Johnny reminded me yesterday uh, about 18 months ago, and we were, we were starting to work on the, the bylaws, and Johnny asked me how long I thought it was going to take. He's like, well, you know, it's probably going to take about 18 months. And, and, and he was kind of surprised that it would take that long, and here we are 18 months later. It's like, you know, well, we write a, write a document, get everybody to agree to it, move, move on. But we had to do a lot of work to 
to think and pray about, number one, what's the right governance structure for this church in this context? Number two, how do we, um, because as we learn through the history, that there was a, a cyclical pattern of when there was a, a pastor who was leading a church and, and was you know, committed to the ministry, things seemed to go better, and when the pastor left, to, to do something else, then the church had a lot of trouble. And it, you could see through the history of the church this cyclical pattern. Pastor comes, pastor ministers, pastor leaves. That's, and, um, and that's eventually what led to the, the church becoming a, um, a campus of First Baptist Woodstock in 2013. And, and so you know, we have basically put together a model that is designed to put the church first and um, through uh, three things. Number one is the membership will regularly exercise authority. And, and you did some of that last week by, um, by voting on a budget. Um, the congregation, you'll see in the bylaws that the, the membership votes on elders and pastors, uh, also important issues in the church, such as the transition team was approved via a congregational vote, uh, and as well as things like voting on debt. Do we take on debt? So for example, you know, Emery shared with us that we were able to negotiate the um, release of about $24,000 in indebtedness that was on our books, uh, and we're very grateful to First Baptist Woodstock for forgiving that debt. And so right now, we have no debts. And that's a wonderful thing to be, you know, to be grateful for which we can be grateful. But we want the congregation involved in making decisions like that because um, it's important that when we make that kind of a decision that we're all involved in it and it's not just a few people making the decision. Uh, we, the congregation will vote on buying and selling property as, and, as well as something like, and, and because bylaws are what you look at when things go wrong or you have problems, things like dissolving the church. And, and there are protections in the bylaws to specifically make it difficult to make those kinds of decisions with a few people. And, and so you'll see when you read the bylaws that some of the votes require 75% approval because we want to make sure that the congregation is of one mind as it makes big decisions facing the church. The second big thing that you'll see in the bylaws is that we, we will implement a plurality of leaders, plurality of elders leadership model. And this directly goes at to the cyclical pattern that we observe, is that we believe that it's important and, and scripturally accurate to have a group of elders that minister together and that, that that eldership is cons consists of not only full-time paid pastors, but also elders who are not on the paid staff of the church. And, and that diversity of leadership will be important to guard the church over time. And then finally, we've added um, a specific language to manage potential conflicts of interest and uh, in order to create the appropriate type of transparency and to make sure the leaders of the church are acting in the church's best interest uh, uh, in, instead of a, a, cell, a personal interest. And then finally, we've 
Uh, we've also added language for dispute resolution, uh, wh whether it's within the church or between the church and ministry partners, where, where we will be using uh, the, the process for Christian conciliation, which is a me mediation and arbitration process so that you can resolve disputes in a God-honoring way without being in the legal system. And so we believe that these things uh, will help m m grow the health of the congregation because the congregation will have authority to make decisions, you know, including approving leaders, and the leaders are, uh, you know, will have certain authority to lead within the constraints of the congregational approval. And, you know, and at the end of the day, this is consistent with Ephesians 5.21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, because we are all required to give an account, um, whether it's leaders or individuals in the congregation. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Lynn. <clears throat> so as we have told you in the last few weeks in the book of Titus, we have been looking at what does it mean for us to consider elders which come alongside and with pastors, congregational elders work together as a team for a plurality of leaders. We've, we've looked at Titus 1, we've looked at 1 Timothy 3, we've looked at the 1 Timothy application of what they do, we've looked at Acts 20 of how they shepherd, and we've looked at 1 Peter 5 as to how they shepherd. So uh, rather than go back and do those today, I just want to keep going and bring you to this whole idea of considering elders. Let me tell you how we did this as a transition team. First of all, the three men that you've had up here were proven leaders before they were asked to be on the transition team. We had seen them lead in small groups. We had seen them lead in other activities behind the scenes. And we knew that they were leaders. But candidly, we did not know if they were elders. Because we had never gone through the biblical examination of elders. We had never asked them to consider if they, in fact, were called to serve as elders. So part of writing this Constitution and Bylaws was us rolling up our sleeves and studying. You're going to find when you see the Constitution and Bylaws and we ask you to approve them 30 days from now, you're going to see that it talks about elders being qualified and elders going through training processes. And this group had to do it to write it. <laughs> they had to go through the training processes to determine what would be written down. And I can say to you, I, I made this off-the-cuff mark last week, which dates me, but uh, a little over a week ago, I celebrated being in ministry for 48 years. And yes, that makes me feel very old. But I can tell you, in the almost 50 years that I've served in local congregations, I would have to put these three men working with Johnny and Matthew, me, I would have to put this at the top of the list as far as unity is concerned. I've seen the most incredible, humbling, presence of God as we never started agreeing on something and always saw how when you put it together it made a great soup all right because we found the different starting places and we could discover 
what we thought to be the will of God of how to go forward. So an incredible, before my eyes, watching them not only look at the scriptural qualifications, but then to see should they be the ones that would serve. And we had to own the fact that this is really awkward, that they've been asked to be the transition team. Now they're the ones being asked to serve as elders. But I will tell you, if you want us to wait a long time to go through the training process and have elders, we're going to come out with these three men, and there may be others, but that will take some time, and we'll get there together. So as we've watched this, just a few weeks ago now, we came down to the end you know, we kept threatening to land this jumbo jet, but we came down to the end of this whole process, and I had to say, okay, guys, part of what happens, a pastor leads the process and elders lead the process. We don't have any elders, so i got to do this. So I'm asking you, do you feel called to serve? I really wish you could have been there that night. One by one, they said, I've looked at this, I'm, I'm humbled to do it, but I'm in. And one by one, they went around and said, I'm humbled that this is where God's brought me, but yes, I'm willing to submit to these biblical guidelines, and I'm willing to serve this group, and yes, I'm willing to have my name presented as an elder, so I'm in. So as they had gone around the table, and all three of them were willing, as you're going to see in a moment, to be presented to you as the first elders to help lead this congregation alongside pastoral staff. When they finished saying, I'm in, I said, well, great, I'm out. And they said, what? I said, I've been waiting to hear that from you because I'm not called to stay here. We knew when I came uh, five years ago, I had another job. I was working full-time for the North American Mission Board. And then when I finished that and started the missionary support ministry, I said, I'll stay on because it's not finished. According to what uh, Titus said, they've got to put what remains in order so it can continue. I knew that I had to continue. When Big D passed away last November, I looked at KK. I said, you know what that means, don't you? The clock's running now for how much longer we're going to be in the area because we have... Uh, 11 of our 13 grandchildren uh, living in North Carolina, and I love you, but it's time, you know, that, that we are closer to them. And so finding this structure of a future direction allowed me with great clarity to say, then it's time that we present this all as one package. And we say, this is the Constitution and Bylaws. These would be the first elders and, oh, by the way, you need to affirm Johnny as the new lead pastor. Okay? So that's how it needs to go. All right? We don't need to wait. There's, there's no sense in, in having this vacuum of leadership. I think we've already had one vote, but we've got to wait 30 days. All right? <laughs> so, so this is what I'd like to give you now. And I know I'm, I'm, I'm messing up because you're going to read it, but I'm going to give it to you. We're not quite through, but I'm going to ask if you could take those, Lynn, give half of them over here, and, and let's pass this out. This is a step-by-step -step action sheet we're asking you to take 30 days from now, okay? So I want you to see it. I want it to be clear. 
I want you to understand where we're going and what we're going to be asking you to do. Step one, a packet of information. I was really surprised at how many pages we tried to do front and back. But it's not only this that we're giving you, but we're going to give you a multi-page constitution and bylaws when you leave today. All right? So step one is to give you this packet. So the 30-day clock is now ticking. All right? Why 30 days? Because I don't want anyone to accuse us of doing this in a hurry that didn't give you a chance to know what you were getting into. All right? It has great integrity when we let it simmer for this 30 days and everybody understand and do a taste test to make sure you know what we're getting into. All right? Did you run out? Uh, I think it, when you get ready to leave today, uh, I, th I think Justin needs one. <laughs> okay. Uh, when you get ready to leave today, if you would, take the extra copy that you have if, there, if you have one for a couple or a family and turn it in and only take one with you as a family. That will help us for others that we're going to Maybe we won't have to go back to press too many times to print these, all right? So here's what you have on that piece of paper. A step-by-step -step process. Just want to show you what you have. On, on the next page, you have the glossary of terms. You thought that was a joke. It's really the truth because you've got to understand Shallowford Falls, community church, what we used to be, how we were a campus of First Baptist Church, Woodstock, the official legal name is Woodstock Church, Shalford Falls, Inc. I know we have a couple of legal minds in, the, in here right now, and you need to know that we can still keep that as our documented, registered 501c3, but do business as Shalford Church. So technically, the legal name stays the same, Woodstock Church, Shalford Falls, Inc., and we are doing, uh, facing the congregation and facing the, the community was the operating name of Shallowford Church. The transition team that you've seen have been recognized already as the board of elders, and if you affirm them as, I mean, board of directors, if you affirm them as elders, they can continue in that. So now, let's come back to this sheet. Step one, 30 days, you got it. Uh, step two, discussion. Between today and 30 days from now, at the end of each service, Two of our transition team, at least two, will make their way over to one of the modular buildings. And if any of you would like to come and discuss after you've had a chance to read the Constitution and bylaws, what does this mean? Why, did, why is that the case? So we want to give you plenty of opportunity to discuss it. It's a 30-day period of discussion. Now, why is that important? Because we don't need to come to a business meeting and not know what we're voting on. So we will vote without discussion on November 7th. If anything comes up in this next 30 days that we need to address, we'll address it. Otherwise, we'll come together for the purpose of these four motions. Here they are. We recommend you adopt the Constitution and bylaws. And these have to be done in sequence because there's no authority if you don't. <laughs> All right? The authority was given to the transition team. Once you adopt the, the Constitution and bylaws, the transition team does not exist anymore, all right? It's gone. So the next motion, I pray you affirm that these men that you've seen, and you'll hear from them a little more in the next month, should be the new elders, okay? And point number three, that the elders are the ones that have the authority to present this to you, and they're going to be ready 
to present Johnny as the new lead pastor. And then number four, as long as I'm still in the area, I can serve as a congregational elder to continue to participate with them and help them along the way. Now, it makes so much sense to me because I've been doing this for so many months, all right? It may not make a lot of sense to you, but I, I pray that you see the direction of where this is going. So here's the church response. 30-day notice, a discussion period, and you vote on November 7th. I'll have plenty of opportunity to say things about Johnny, but let me, let me just remind you that the first time I ever saw Johnny, he got up front and made an announcement at uh, First Baptist Church Woodstock. We were in one of the worship services there. And I went up to him and I said, I want to meet you, young man. He was just a college boy at the time. <laughs> I said, I want to meet you, young man. I can see that God's got his hand on you. And I'd like to be your friend. It was just that obvious to me that God had gifted him to communicate. And then we talked, and he was quick to disagree when he wanted to. And, uh, and there were times along the way that I would say, Johnny, I don't mind your pushback, but are you teachable? You know? I mean, we, can you consider that maybe you're not right on everything? You know? And this was all long before we ever came here to serve together. And when First Baptist Church Woodstock asked me to come be the lead pastor, I said, uh, lead campus pastor, I said, you know, I can't do it. I work full time. And I, I just can't be there. But I tell you what, if you want to pay a campus pastor, why don't you pay Johnny Day to be the campus pastor and let us do this together? And then over time, I won't be in the picture and, and he can take leadership. So from the very beginning, we anticipated that that could and would happen, but we, we never dreamed that we'd be becoming an autonomous congregation, and we never dreamed that the time would come that it was just very clear that I, I just need to be prepared to move and not be in the area. And I hope that that doesn't make you feel insecure. Uh, it's it's kind of weird. When a pastor resigns, the church kind of gets mad at him, you know, they pout and say, so you don't love us anymore, you know? And I mean, I've watched it through the years. I've, I've been to more than one church. And I'm hoping you don't pout for, you know, for the next few months. But you celebrate that we found God's direction, that we know how to move forward, that we can appreciate the hand of God and how he's worked in our congregation. So that is the process that we're asking you to enter into. Just like we did every time we met as a group, we want the will of God. And if we're missing it in any way, we want to know that. We're grateful that you support us. We're grateful that you, we don't expect you to, to you know, say, gee, you shouldn't really be doing that. I mean, you, you've been so easy to lead, but we want you to roll up your sleeves and get in on this and own part of the process as we move forward. So if you think you understand enough to get started, just do your head like this, all right? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to stop and celebrate that we are the body of Christ, that he has been put into us, and we have been put into him. It's somewhat like a closing prayer of us celebrating being the church. So, Lynn, if you would take, take the top off of that, and if you'd do the same over here, Justin, just sit on the front row. Johnny, uh, I'm going to ask you to, to come and stand over to one side if anyone wants to pray with you. And these men, Lynn can stay over there with you. Justin can stay over here with me.
And uh, if anyone wants to pray about anything before they take the Lord's table, uh, then they can do that. But here's what I'd like to ask you to do. Come, serve yourself by taking the cup, take it back to your seat. I know it's a little hard to get the top off. You can start trying to get the top off, but don't take it yet. Come and get it. Go back and sit down, and then I'll lead us to celebrate the Lord's table together. If you need to pray with one of us along the way, we'll be here. Emory, come and stand over here if you would. Father, thank you for these men, for how they served, and for how they've been willing to serve your people. Now today, we celebrate that you've put us in the body of Christ, and you've gifted us differently. And we come now to acknowledge that you died for us. So as we prepare to take the Lord's table, search our hearts. Show us anything we need to make right with you as we thank you that you came to make us right with you through Jesus. In his name we pray.